The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sportsbook app. I'm Ross Tucker, of course, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Now I got a bunch of gigs, a bunch of podcasts. You already listened to them, hopefully. We did the Even Money podcast yesterday. I had a lot of bets this week, by the way, on that. The Fantasy Feast podcast with Joe Dolan. The College Draft podcast was earlier in the week, all available. Andrew Brandt does his Business of Sports podcast, and he had some more Brandt's rants in addition to what he said yesterday. I'm probably not as loud as I normally am right now. Because it is 5.10 a.m. Mountain Time right now where I am. Because tonight I've got Air Force at Utah State. And I don't want whoever's in the hotel room next to me to call the front desk. So I'm still loud enough you guys can hear me. But I'm not going crazy. I don't need to. I got Greg Cosell, the GOAT from NFL Films, coming up in a couple minutes here. Uh, You guys already know the deal. Tomorrow's a big day. Tomorrow we give out winners. We love giving out winners. Tomorrow, we have a spread the word winner via social media. That's at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. I haven't picked a winner yet, so you can still get in on that one. We have a sponsor confirmation email winner. Haven't gotten very many entries this week. If you want to take advantage of any of them, email me today. I'll pick it either later today or tomorrow morning. And then the YouTube shout out. Just comment on any of our clips at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL and you can get a cameo style shout out that people seem to really really like just subscribe and comment it's that easy speaking of shout outs and we get new patrons every day what an awesome Christmas or holiday gift to yourself or someone else give them a patron membership it's you know ten dollars a month you get to be part of our private slack channel over at patreon.com slash RT media Patreon.com slash RT Media. Today's shout out goes to Matt Fiano, F I A N O. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. Every week we have the pleasure of talking with, man, a guy we've been talking with for 
like a decade now. It's unbelievable. I've known him since I met him at NFL Films, the broadcast boot camp back in 2007. Wow. For a while now. Time time flies yeah. when you're having fun. He's Greg Cosell. Check him out on Twitter, at Greg Cosell, because that way you know when Greg is on other programs or you know, you know when the NFL matchup show will be. So that's the key is to follow Greg on Twitter so you get all his great content. Just to give you a little snippet of Greg Cosell, okay? So everybody needs to know this. I think most of you know by now, Saturday, I did the UB-Kent State game. And UB running back Jarrett Patterson had eight touchdowns, 409 yards. Could have had both records all time. Uh, you've probably seen my clip of that at this point. I was not happy, but also trying to be entertaining and have fun or whatever, if you know me. The next day, or maybe later that day, Greg sends me his draft breakdown of Jarrett Patterson who, by the way, is a true junior in the MAC, and Greg watched eight games of him this summer. And he's not even like ranked as like a top five running back or whatever. Maybe he should be. But just so you know what kind of sicko we're dealing with. with Greg <laughs> okay? The problem that Greg, Greg did eight games of Jarrett Patterson's sophomore year and had like the most thorough breakdown I've ever seen. And by the way, Greg, people can get those um, at fantasy points now, right? They can. Yeah, I'll, I'll, that's absolutely true. And and obviously, when the season ends, I will be diving right into all my draft evaluations, and I'll get through 200, 250 players with that th those kinds of detailed evaluations, Ross. Yeah, so the key there is to – I say this on the Fantasy Feast all the time, but go to fantasypoints.com to get a membership. It's not very expensive, and if you use the code FEAST, you get even a discount, and you get all the other fantasy stuff, and you get Greg's stuff, which is amazing. All right, Greg, let's dive now into some of the big games, some of the thoughts I've got for this weekend. I guess the, the first individual I wanted to ask about before we actually get into the games is Mitch Trubisky. I, I guess I don't know how to say this, Greg. Is he salvageable? Uh, do you think there's a place for him as a starting quarterback, or do you think he'll end up being a backup for the rest of his career? Obviously, it's only a one-game sample size coming back from the injury against Green Bay. Did you see anything different, new, or is it kind of what we've always come to think of Trubisky? I don't think we saw anything new, Ross. The question about what he will be, you know, a year, two years, three years down the road, that I can't answer. Uh, but – when all said and done, you saw a lot of the same issues that we've seen uh, through through his first couple of years in the league, even when he played well. I mean, the things you see on film, he's a locked front leg thrower, and that's not going to change. That's the way he delivers the football. And when, when you're a locked front leg thrower, that limits your weight transfer and your ability to drive the ball with velocity. So Balls that are thrown further down the field tend to lose energy because you can't drive through the football with your core. Uh, I think when it comes to reading things and seeing things, he struggles in that regard. One of his interceptions, the second one by Savage, if people can remember that, uh, was what we call cross-country dagger. You get a vertical route crossing the field and you get a dig route behind it. And 95% of the time that ball's thrown to the dig route because the dig route ends up being open. He threw it 
to the vertical route, which was not even close to being open. And Robinson on the dig was open. Uh, so he's not seeing things particularly well. Um, you know, right now at this point, I think th- there are major concerns. We'll see. You know, I, I hate to paint a guy's whole career after, you know, one game when he comes back. He does have, yes, a track record. But I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit here. I, I, what I don't say, and you know me, Ross, I don't say things like, oh, he stinks, he can't play. I don't say that because I'm a big believer in coaching. And right now, this is what he is. This is what the tape shows. Right. And, you know, there was that year when he played pretty decently when they went 12 and four, obviously. I mean, he couldn't have been terrible that year. So uh, I think that's a fair point. We're talking with Greg Cosell here on the Ross Tucker football podcast like we do each and every week. Let's dive into some of the big games here in week 13, Greg. We made it already to week 13. Let's do it. We can keep it going. Um, I want to start with a game I think is really intriguing, and that is the Cleveland Browns and the Tennessee Titans. I can't wait to watch this game on so many different levels. Well, in some ways, in, in meaningful ways, these teams are mirror images of one another offensively. Their concepts are a little different, but their overriding philosophy, Ross, is the same. They want to run the ball. That is their starting point. And they want the pass game to work off the run game. In the ideal world for both teams, the quarterback does not drop back more than 25 to 30 times in the game. And that's the way they want to play. Uh, They've been able to play that way in a number of games. Uh, because they're good at what they do. I mean, when you commit to that and you practice it, you tend to get good at it, particularly when you have great backs. Obviously, last week for the Colts, DeForest Buckner was out, but the Titans' offensive line played its best game of the season. I think Derrick Henry had 27 carries, Ross. I think maybe on five of those, he was actually touched at the first level of the defense. The other 22 he was able to generate stride length, speed, velocity, and get to the second and third level without being disrupted. And when you get Derrick Henry to the second and third level where he can build up that stride length and then the speed and velocity and momentum, he's a very difficult guy to tackle. Now, then you get to the Browns. We always think of Kevin Stefanski. It's it's outside zone, outside zone. Well, that's the foundation, but they've added a lot more to their run game this year And I think they've done so because of the talents of the offensive linemen. Wyatt Teller, their right guard, um, he missed a few games, but he's been as good a pulling guard as there is in the NFL this year. So they've added a lot of gap scheme runs. And by gap scheme, we mean power, counter, runs where you pull the guard. And so Cleveland with Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb is a top three or four back in this league, just as Henry is. So these teams are somewhat mirror images of one another. You know, Greg, you said something there that I wholeheartedly believe with in. And I and I and I remember this going back to when he was in college. You gotta get Derrick Henry to slow down his feet in the backfield. Like if you are a read defense and you're playing off blocks and then trying to make tackles, and you let him get seven yard head of steam before he gets to the line, he's getting three to five yards. Yeah. He's too big and too fast. No, no, you're, you're right. I, I mean, think I think the teams that have the best shot against him 
are penetrating teams that hit gaps and force him to have to make some type of lateral move or move at all in his first two or three or four steps because he's not shifty. So, like, if you get in there and slow his feet, then you can take him down. But if you – if he's able to hit the line of scrimmage with at full speed, he's getting three yards. They're yeah. not a human being that's just going to eat him up. No. You know, and he's got that kind of head of steam. Well, they know that, and that's why a lot of their run game is based on outside zone. They've added some pin-pull concepts where he gets the ball and works on the perimeter. They try to get him in the style of runs, Ross, where he can take those three or four first steps and no one will bother him. Now, against the Colts, and you'll appreciate this being a former offensive lineman, and I know it might be difficult for the audience to obviously picture this, but the Colts are what we call an over front. So that means they shift their defensive line to the strong side of the offensive formation where the tight end is. Uh, And I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. And what the, the Titans did exceptionally well is they ran away from the over front. They ran to the weak side of their offense, away from the strength of the defense. And, and you know, we call that the bubble. You know that. And they were able to run to the bubble really, really effectively because there's just fewer bodies there. It's not the strength of the defensive front. Not only are there fewer bodies there, you make the tight end a backside cutoff blocker as opposed to a play side blocker who usually gets stoned by the D end. Right. And it kind of jams everything up. Instead, he's just on the back side. So you can get a good stretch from the tackle play side. You know, there are some blockers, there are some tight ends that are pretty good at the point of attack. But let's be honest, Greg, not many. I mean, there, there really aren't very many that are good point of attack, get movement blockers. I mean, at best, most of them are just kind of getting in the way and trying to not get blown up. I do. Before we move on, I do have to give some love, though, to Jeff Swaim, okay? He came midseason or a little earlier to the uh, to the Titans. He was a blocker in college at the University of Texas. He'll play in this league 10 years because he can block. He's done an amazing job for the Titans because clearly they're a run-first team. They line him up in multiple spots, including as an I-formation fullback, and he has added a ton to this run game with his, with his blocking ability. Okay, talking with Greg Cosell here, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, like we do each and every week. And let's get to the Saints and the Falcons. And look, Greg, I don't go back and watch the coaching tape like you do. And I know that there are people, he's a very polarizing player. And maybe part of it was just the way Sean Payton decided to play the game against Denver, knowing they didn't have quarterbacks. To my eyes... I find it hard to believe at this point that Taysom Hill is a longtime starting quarterback in the NFL or the heir apparent in New Orleans based on what I see. But I don't watch the coaching tape. Right. You do. And obviously they, they, they ran the ball a lot in that game because I think they just wanted to get the game over with, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, what do you see? Because I, I have a tough time watching him in that Broncos game and picturing him being a successful starting quarterback for an extended period of time. Well, in many ways, you have to throw out the Broncos game. They even admitted that once they knew the Broncos didn't have a quarterback, that they were just going to run the ball and play it really close to the best. Um, So all we really have is the week before against Atlanta when, 
they really schemed him well. Now, that's good coaching. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks that have to be schemed. Again, I can't sit here, just like with Mitchell Trubisky, I can't sit here and say, oh, this guy will never be a starter in the NFL. Or you can't play, you know, if what we saw against Atlanta is the way it's going to be, he can't play. Well, that's good coaching by Sean Payton because you understand what he is at this point in his career. Is he good enough to be a starting quarterback? I don't think anybody's going to sit here and say that, if he is a starter, he'll be a top five quarterback in the league. But we don't know. We don't know what he can be just yet. We need to see more games where you you have to run a more normal offense, and he's going to have to drop back and throw the ball. Uh, he's got a good arm. I can't sit here and tell you whether he's able to go through significant reading progressions. They did a good job in that first game against Atlanta with half field reads. Uh, with the kind of quick game throws where everything is defined and you're not really reading a lot. Uh, but he did have some good plays where he came off uh, one read and threw to another. So to me, and and it's not a cop-out, Ross, there's just not a large enough sample size. We have to wait and see when he gets into more games that require him to throw the ball 25, 30, 35 times. And, and keep one thing in mind. The Saints defense has been arguably the best defense in the NFL over the last four or five weeks. And if you have a run game and a defense, um, your quarterback can be somewhat of a complimentary player. Now, a lot of people say, well, you can't win a Super Bowl that way. Yeah, okay, I, I understand that point very well. But right now, their run game is really effective and their defense is playing at a really, really high level, which is being overlooked by a lot of people. Greg, let's get to the Eagles and the Packers. Uh, yep. Packers were masterful again Sunday night against the Chicago Bears. And the Eagles, I feel like we're a broken record at this point. Just a very, very difficult watch. And so I don't know if you have anything different to say this week than you <laughs> said a couple. Um, well, I think, first of all, I think the Packers offensively, uh, it's a combination of, of the scheming is working exceptionally well and the execution within that scheme has been really, really high level. Um, I know I've talked about this before, but the one thing you're not seeing this year, and he's certainly capable of it, is Aaron Rodgers is not running around as much. He's playing very controlled and efficient within the context of the scheme, and he's a great, great thrower to the football. That was never an issue. But this year he's playing within the structure of the offense and they look really good. I mean, they feature multiple personnel packages, formations, motion, shifts, play action, play action boot. And, and I personally believe, and there's reasonable debate about this, but I personally believe right now Devontae Adams is the most complete receiver in the NFL. So uh, I think their offense is really good. If you look on the other side, we've discussed this before. You know, I think offensively, there's many, many problems with the Eagles. But if you wanted to focus on Carson Wentz, I think one of the things that was particularly concerning on Monday night was he did not see things very well. You know, we've talked before about poor ball placement at times. I thought on Monday night there were plays that were there, throws that were there to be made within the progression. And for whatever reason, and only Carson Wentz can answer this, he did not turn it loose. And that is concerning. Yeah. I've seen that as well. Uh, like I said, it, it's almost at this point like sad to watch what they were, what he was, and what they are right now. Uh, I did also want to ask you about uh, the Monday night game 
the Niners off yeah. their big win against the Rams. They own the Rams, man. It's unbelievable against my Buffalo Bills, Greg. Well, that's a really intriguing game. I think the Niners' defense has has been pretty good this year. I think Robert Sala has has added multiplicity to this defense. When he first got there, because he had a background in Seattle, there was a lot of cover three, and that was sort of his foundation. It's probably still their foundation, but they are a lot more with split safety looks. They're a lot more multiple in what they do. Um, they have a player on their defense, okay? And maybe this is the day I'm giving some love to some players who are not talked about. But Jimmy Ward is a safety for them. He allows them to do so much, particularly in their man coverage concepts, because they are very, very comfortable with Jimmy Ward matching up to wide receivers, and he's good at it. And so he's a safety who can match up to wide receivers, and that gives them tremendous versatility in how they can match up to teams that have really good receiving tight ends. Now, the Bills don't have the one guy who's the big-time receiving tight end, uh, but the Bills are trying to run the ball a little more. They haven't been able to do it. Uh, they're really a volume-passing team. Uh, they like to play with four wide receivers, but with John Brown on IR, they didn't play with uh, as many snaps with four wide this past week against the Chargers. Their offense was a little spotty this past week. They did not really push the ball down the field very much at all, and that's something they've done a good part of this season. You can check him out every week on the NFL Matchup Show, NFL Films. You can also check him out, obviously, here on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast every week. The great Greg Cosell. Thank you, Greg. Ross, appreciate it. Thanks. Man, so good. So good. I'm just taking notes like a madman over here. You know what else is so good? NetSuite by Oracle the world's number one cloud business system. You want to know why? NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need all in one place instantaneously. Look, I've got a few small businesses, my front page story and RT Media, Go Big Recruiting, this is a lifesaver to have it all in the same place as opposed to working through three to five different systems. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash Tucker. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash Tucker. That's netsuite.com slash Tucker. Tucks takes. Good morning. Let's uh, start, Ross, with your breakdown of yesterday afternoon. That's weird to say. Wednesday afternoon, 19 to 14 victory for the Steelers over the Baltimore Ravens, and we finally got that game in. All right. Um, so there's a bunch to say about this game. By the way, the first thing I would say for people that might have missed it, um, netsuite.com slash Tucker, that's a heck of a way to win the sponsor confirmation email contest, right? I mean, a free product tour, send me the email that you signed up for that. So there's a lot to get to, Bri. Um, Brandon Williams, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, none of them played, even though they were all off the COVID list. 
None of those guys played. We found out that Geno Stone, the rookie safety from Iowa, was the player that tested positive on Tuesday that Andrew talked about a lot yesterday. Now, evidently, nobody tested positive yesterday, which is a great sign. But Geno Stone was the last player of the 10 days in a row or whatever. Meanwhile, the Steelers had Marquise Pouncey go on the COVID list right before the game. So he wasn't able to play. And it was crazy. I mean, there was four turnovers in the first 10 minutes. RG3 fumbled an exchange with Gus Edwards, which they just don't work on that very often. They didn't have a lot of practice time. Then the Steelers got stuffed on the goal line. What I mean, honestly, the Ravens defense did a terrific job in the red zone all game, in particular in that series on the goal line. You know, Big Ben missed a wide open. Derek Watt was then intercepted on that same play. So huge for the Ravens D. And then RG3 gives it right back. He doesn't see Joe Hayden, throws it right to him, pick six. But then the Steelers missed the extra point. And then the Ravens actually had a lead. Ray Ray McLeod muffed a punt after the Steelers got another stop. The Ravens couldn't move the ball at all at that point. And then Gus Edwards went in for a touchdown. Ravens were up seven to six after four turnovers in 10 minutes of play. After that, the Ravens really struggled sort of to move the football. I think RG3 finished with 33 yards passing. He did have a couple of nice runs where they moved it a little bit. The end of first half situation killed them. You know, not getting any points there was an absolute disaster for the Ravens. Just can't let it happen. Uh, RG3 hurt his hamstring. I can't say anyone was overly surprised about that. McSorley came in, uh, ended up throwing a touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown to make it 19-14, and the Ravens had a shot. And they, rather than an onside kick, they kicked it away, and they never got it back. Uh, Chuck Clark had 13 tackles, the safety for the Ravens, but he wasn't able to make the play on the James Washington catch late. The confidence by Roethlisberger to, to make that throw is just unbelievable. Uh, it's really, really impressive. So, yeah, that was kind of the deal. Um Bud Dupree, likely done for the year with a torn ACL. Just awful. Awful for the Steelers, who have significant Super Bowl aspirations, as they should. Part of what makes them so good is having an elite edge rusher, a terrific edge rusher off both sides. Now they no longer have that. And he was an impending free agent. He just signed the franchise tag, which is very difficult for him to stomach as well. Because now he got torn ACL, he will not be healthy for free agency. I mean, it's December and he tore his ACL. I don't know when he'll even be able to come back. Uh, tons of drops for the Steelers. And yeah, that's about all I have to say about that one, bro. Ducks takes. Other news includes Tyrod Taylor uh, declining to file a grievance over his punctured lung with the Chargers back in week two. Right. Uh, you know, I guess they have 60 days with which to do it. He decided not to. I'm not sure what all goes into that. I don't know what he would have gotten out of that. I don't know if there's some monetary award. I don't think so. I think if you do something with the team that you're limited in terms of, I know you can't sue for malpractice. That's part of the contract in the CBA between the players 
and the and the league. I don't know what he could have gained from the grievance, but I think he ultimately decided that it was a mistake. It was an honest mistake, and he was not going to, you know, prolong the situation. Takes. Some of the guys back from the COVID list include Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen and Colts running back Jonathan Taylor. Both big, big boosts for both those teams. You know, the Vikings, kind of like what I was saying earlier about Bud Dupree being opposite T.J. Watt. Well, now you got Adam Thielen opposite Justin Jefferson, which is a really, really big boost for the Vikings. You know, to have both those guys in the lineup at the same time just makes them so dangerous. And Jonathan Taylor is the bigger, more powerful back that the Colts like to have in their lineup. Some other COVID news, Ross, includes the Broncos fighting their quarterbacks for not wearing masks, and the NFL has said that they are not going to cut the line for a COVID vaccine. Well, so that makes sense for the Broncos and sort of uh, piggybacks off of the comments from Vic Fangio that Andrew Brandt mentioned yesterday regarding, you know, what they had done and Vic Fangio, you know, basically saying it's our fault, it's our quarterback's fault, they did the wrong thing. So they should be fined, no question. And any player that goes against the protocol in any way should be fined. Have to, got to do it. That's where we're at right now. Um, And then, yeah, it's probably a bad PR look if the NFL would quote-unquote cut the line for the COVID vaccine. Yeah, I don't know when that vaccine will even be up and running in the United States. I don't follow it that closely, but – I don't think that they'd be in a position to do it over the next two months, probably anyway. I think they realize that that'd be very bad from a PR perspective because you want to get to the people that are most vulnerable to the disease right now. So that makes sense to me. Also makes sense to give you guys a shout out for my front page story. You guys know how much I feel about it. Uh, I just think it's the best gift I'm aware of. I love the written word. I love newspaper covers. So I'm I'm into that stuff, but I'd be surprised if your spouse or your mom or dad or grandpa, grandma, I'd be surprised if they didn't love it. Myfrontpagestory.com. Let's do an email, Brian. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. So the email address for me always is ross at rostucker.com. So if you want to show that you spread the word via social media, if you want to send me your sponsor confirmation email, ross at rostucker.com, then you're automatically entered for that contest. And you have a great chance to to win it, especially this week. But you get definitely 100% get to ask me any question you would like, which I love. What do you got, Brian? Hey, Ross, a lifelong Cowboy fan here. I'm both disheartened and disgusted by how the team is playing this year. I understand injuries have taken the toll, but even before all that, they're playing flat out badly, especially on defense. So many other teams do a lot more with a lot less talented or at least a lot less known players. Looking at the remaining schedule, I honestly did not see them winning another game this year. What are your thoughts? Keep up the good work and love the podcast every day at work. That is from Dana Nielsen. Well, appreciate it, Dana. I will pull up the Cowboys schedule right now. I was very surprised 
and very disappointed by their Thanksgiving performance. By the way, what a long layoff to go right from Thanksgiving and your next game is not till Tuesday. I mean, it's 12 days later. So they play the Ravens on Tuesday. I don't think that'll be a great spot for them. I think that's a potentially winnable game because the Ravens coming off playing on a Wednesday, so another short week for the Ravens, and we'll see who's back off the COVID list. I think Lamar Jackson will be, but you never know. After that, they play the Bengals. That's very winnable. They play the Niners. That's winnable. Uh, I don't think they will, but it's winnable. Eagles, very winnable. And then Giants, winnable. So I, I disagree with you, Dana. I think they'll win another game or two. I don't know what that really does for you. I don't think they'll win the division. But I do think that they'll win another game or two, maybe even three down the stretch. Shout-outs are in order, as always. Pizza Boy Brewing, DynastyFreaks.com, Sportaculture, SteakhouseSports.com, Vision Comics with an X. Those are the I Think We're Done Here members of Patreon.com slash RT Media. We will have a Picks Friday podcast Tomorrow, maybe a little bit later than we normally do, being out here on the mountain time zone. And that's it. Everything else is already posted, ready for you. Both Fantasy Feast episodes. Go get them, Tiger. Enjoy it. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.